0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love, and we thank you that you have completed the work of salvation through your Son, Jesus. We thank you for your forgiveness for the new life that that comes through Jesus' blood shed. We thank you for the opportunity we have to reflect on the power of forgiveness as we continue in our series on the Lord's Prayer right now. God, we pray that um, we will forgive others as you have first forgiven us. And that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that forgiveness will, will flow freely from us. And, and we know that as we forgive others, um, as you've first forgiven us, that there's a blessing even in that, in a sense of release and peace that can be experienced in no other way. So we pray right now that you would give us uh, a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit, that we can live in the freedom of your forgiveness and in forgiving others. In Jesus' name, amen. When was the last time you forgave someone? Think about it for a moment. Have you forgiven a friend, a spouse, a child, parent in the last hour, in the last day, the last week? How about this? When was the last time you needed God to forgive you? Was it in the last hour, the last day, the last week? If you're new to New Life or you haven't been with us for a while, we've been in this series for about a month now called New Beginnings, the Lord's Prayer, and we've been working our way through the Lord's Prayer. And today we come to the petition or request, which says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. If you grew up Presbyterian, you might have have said, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. If you grew up Methodist, you might have said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So which is it? Sins, debts, trespasses? There's no doubt that Jesus called us to pray for God to forgive us when we sin in any way against another person. We can call what we've done a debt or a trespass or a sin, but here's the point. Jesus told us to ask God to forgive us as we have forgiven others. I don't know about you, but the second half of that scares me. I mean, if I'm only going to be forgiven by God the way I've forgiven other people, I have some work to do. Before we follow along that line too far, let's look at the entire Lord's Prayer as we've been doing over the past several weeks. We're going to do it again by looking into Matthew chapter 6, but we're going to add a couple of verses at the end uh, because... Jesus actually made a couple of comments, more comments, about this forgiving others as we've been forgiven. So Jesus said, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Not only did Jesus tell us to pray for God to forgive us as we've forgiven others, but he added some extra comments about it. He said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus didn't add any extra explanations to any of the other requests or petitions in this prayer. Only when it comes to asking God to forgive us as we've already forgiven those who've sinned against us did he add additional comments. He added that we receive forgiveness by forgiving. Let me say that again. We receive forgiveness by forgiving. Now why? Why did Jesus find it necessary to focus his attention on the importance of our forgiving others so we will receive God's forgiveness? Well, let's turn to today's take-home point to see why. The take-home point is the one point I'm going to make from Scripture that we're going to take home and use in the week ahead. So here it is. Forgiveness is at the heart of our Heavenly Father's heart. I know you're, you're at home watching with me, but would you say that aloud with me right now? Forgiveness is at the heart of our Heavenly Father's heart. When John the Apostle wanted to sum up God, he put it this way, God is love. But when Jesus connected, wanted to uh, connect an attribute to God that would define who God is, he used a different word, a different description. He says God equals forgiveness. After all, Jesus came to the earth to live a perfect life, the only perfect life ever lived, so that they, he could then die on the cross and to take the penalty for the sins of our lives, for your sins and for mine. It was the only way that God could forgive us. Remember what we learned about God in the first few weeks of this series, if you were with us. First, we learned that God is our heavenly father. And we learned that God is holy. Being holy, God can't stand in the presence of sin. Apart from the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for our forgiveness, we deserve God's wrath, God's punishment, God's judgment. But Jesus did die on the cross to pay the penalty for for you and me. And we need to always remember that. Jesus made it clear that the way we know that we've been forgiven is we pass that forgiveness on. We might say we pay it forward to others. That's why the petition that focuses on God forgiving us qualifies the forgiveness. Jesus told us to pray for God to forgive us as we have forgiven others. Now let's take that back a step. Does God want us to forgive others so we will be forgiven? In other words, is God only going to give us forgiveness if we forgive others? Well, of course not. God has already sent Jesus. God has already put Jesus in the world to forgive us of our sins, to die on the cross so our sins would be forgiven. Jesus offered the words of this prayer because he knew that that was coming. He knew he was going to die for us. He knew he was going to pay the penalty for our sins. So he knew that God's forgiveness was just around the corner. But he also wanted us to recognize something. Forgiveness is free, but it isn't cheap. Forgiveness is free, but it isn't cheap. Forgiveness always exacts a price on the forgiver, the one who forgives but not on the one who's forgiven. Think about that. If I sinned against you right now and I said, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Do you realize what I just did in that moment? I put you in control of our relationship because if you say, yes, I forgive you, our relationship is restored. But if you say, no, I'm not gonna forgive you, then the relationship remains broken because you have to decide whether you're going to take the cost of the sin, which I committed against you, onto yourself and to, um, hold, or if you're going to continue to hold me accountable. If you continue to hold me accountable, there's no way I can make up for that. I, there's nothing in my account that's going to fix it. Only you can, quote, fix the relationship by forgiving. For example, how do you pay? How do I pay a holy, just, perfect God back when we disobey Him? How do you pay a parent or a child or a husband or a wife back for the pain of breaking trust or relationship in both cases the, the short answer is we can't. The courts are flooded with people who want payment for the sins that others have committed against them, and a court of law can determine penalties, whether it's a time in prison or whether it's a fine that's supposed to pay back right what was what the offense might have been but but here's the thing: does somebody going to jail or paying a fine really? pay me back? If you hit me with your car and I could never walk again, what's the right penalty for that? I remember when Nancy and I were in a really bad car accident back in 2015. We were simply sitting beside the road on Route 8 in Middlesex Township, waiting to pull out onto the road. And another person came up from, from the other direction, crossed all five lanes of traffic and hit into the passenger side of our car. The police estimate he was going about 50 miles an hour when he hit us. When when he hit our car, our car spun 180 degrees around, and when I looked over where Nancy was sitting, I couldn't tell if she was dead or alive. Actually, she moaned a moment later, and I was grateful because I knew if she was moaning, at least she was alive. And I'll be honest, in that situation, my first thought was not forgiveness. I didn't think, oh, I'll forgive that guy for what he just did. As time went by, the man's insurance company would, called and he, they started bargaining with us to talk about how much they would pay for our pain and suffering. It turned out that we weren't injured seriously. But I'll never forget that process because the more I thought about it, the more I thought about that moment when I didn't know if Nancy was dead or alive, the more I wondered, how, how do you put a price on that? How, how do you put a price on your wife might be dead? I couldn't see my way through that. No number makes up for not knowing what's going on in that particular situation. But then as a follower of Jesus, I had to start thinking about forgiveness. After all, if I'm going to pray and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us, how could I not forgive? And it wasn't a theoretical question at the moment. It was very, very practical. When Jesus shared his prayer with his disciples and with the crowd of people who had gathered there for the Sermon on the Mount, I bet some murmurs went through the crowd when he said, forgive our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. I bet people were saying, really? How am I supposed to forgive so-and-so for, for," and, and we could put a blank there and say, any number of things. I mean, obviously, in those days, it wouldn't have been a car accident, but it could have been some other kind of offense, some, some sin that seems so hard to forgive. We, we've all been there. We've all had that idea in our minds. And maybe when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we might think the same thing. How am I supposed to forgive? We know that Peter had that question in his mind, one of the 12 disciples, because a few chapters later, actually in Matthew chapter 21, Peter comes along and asks Jesus a question. It says, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times. Now, where did Peter get the number seven? We're not sure, but in those days in Jewish culture, if somebody sinned against you, you were supposed to forgive the person up to three times. So Peter took the three, he doubled it, he added one. He probably thought he was being really generous by saying seven times, that's what he did. And, and the reality is, I think it would be pretty generous. If somebody committed the same sin against me seven times, I'm gonna forgive them first time, second time, third time, all the way up to the seven times, seems pretty generous, right? Because what we're doing is saying, we're letting you off the hook. We're paying the cost for the sin because in that moment, when I forgive you, what I'm saying is, I'm not holding, holding that sin against you. That doesn't mean you don't need to be held accountable for your sin. It doesn't mean that the person can hurt us over and over again. But what it says is, I'm going to set the person free in the same way that Jesus sets us free from sin by dying on the cross. So Peter thought seven times. That's really generous. But Jesus didn't buy that suggestion. In fact, He said that Peter wasn't even close. So it says, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. So if you're good at math, you know that Jesus just said we're supposed to forgive a person 490 times. But this is not about math, not at all. Jesus was talking about the unlimited nature of God's forgiveness and the corresponding unlimited nature of our forgiveness toward others. Jesus knew that he had just boggled Peter's mind and probably all the rest of the disciples. So he followed up with a story. Here's what Jesus said. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Imagine being so wealthy that you didn't even realize one of your servants owed you millions of dollars till you decided to finally look at your accounts one day. That's the scenario Jesus sets before Peter. It says, But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Now, let me say, the king wasn't filled with pity he was filled with compassion. The reason that's important is because the Greek word for compassion literally means a turning of the guts. This man had a visceral response of forgiveness for the man. He realized the man was never, ever going to be pay back, able to pay back millions of dollars. And, and so instead of putting the man and his family into prison, he forgave the entire debt. He assumed the debt and he set the man free. Imagine that kind of forgiveness. The only one who is that generous by nature is God. And obviously, the master in the story represents God, or someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit. What a powerful picture of the compassion and forgiveness that God has for us. And if the story ended there, what Peter would know, he would have a very good picture of forgiveness from the forgiver's perspective. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. I mean, this guy has just been forgiven literally millions of dollars of debt. He goes out and finds another servant, fellow servant, who owes him a few thousand bucks. And he demands payment. And when the, the servant does the exact same thing that he had done before, the king bows down him for him and says, give me a little bit of time. He grabs him by the throat and he says, no, you pay it back right now. And the thing is, the guy probably could have paid back a few thousand dollars over time, but the man wouldn't wait. He took his fellow servant and he threw him into prison. He showed no mercy, no compassion, no forgiveness. So when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid back his entire debt. You see, the king didn't tolerate the man's lack of forgiveness because the man had received infinitely more forgiveness than he had been asked to forgive by his fellow servant. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's proportionate to the forgiveness that we've received from Jesus. Here's Jesus' punchline. That's why my heavenly Father, that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Jesus expects us to forgive others because of the incredible debt he has already forgiven in our lives. We don't forgive so we can be forgiven. That's not what the prayer is about. We forgive because we have been forgiven. Always remember that. I'm not saying that it's gonna be easy. The process of forgiving that man who drove into our car and could have killed Nancy, it was a process. It took me a few days. I'm not saying it should have taken me a few days. I should have forgiven him right away, but I had to think it through. I had to pray it through, and eventually what I realized is I got to the point where I realized how much have I been forgiven by God, that infinite amount? How can I not offer the same forgiveness in this situation? So who is there in your life right now that you have not forgiven? Is there anyone in your life right now that you haven't forgiven? And please understand, if there is, I get it. The man who smashed his car into us isn't the only person in my entire life who's ever hurt me or my family. I'm 63 and a half years old. There are hundreds and hundreds of times when somebody has sinned against me, trespassed against me, has a debt that they've owed to me. And so what's the situation in that, in that moment? What are we gonna do? Well, a little more than 20 years ago, Pastor Mark Geppert had a group of us on a mission trip in China, and he shared with us what he calls the forgiveness prayer. And I've found it to be so helpful. Here's how it goes. Father, I forgive every person, living or dead, who has hurt me, used me, or abused me in any way. I release them to you, that you may bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you see the words I underlined in the prayer? Forgive, release, bless. The key is, when we forgive a person, and we release them to God to be blessed, they aren't the only ones who Receive forgiveness and blessing because when we release that forgiveness into others, another person's life, we're also blessed. We also receive. You see, when we offer forgiveness to others, it's because we've already received the forgiveness of God and, and we, that, that flow of forgiveness continues. Now, it's simple, but it is not easy. Think about it. When you forgive someone, right now, maybe you're thinking of a person and you forgive that person you release them to god to be blessed in that instant i guarantee you there will be a weight lifted from inside of you that that part where you know that that king showed compassion that compassionate part of you will you'll just lighten it all it, it happens automatically so when you've fulfilled That forgiveness to another, you fulfilled your part of the Lord's prayer in that moment. You've forgiven those who have sinned against you. And in that moment, you open yourself up to receive renewed forgiveness from your heavenly Father and blessing from God. So let's look at that forgiveness prayer one more time. I want to make it a little bit different this time, though. Here it is. Father, I forgive blank who has hurt me, used me, or abused me in any way. I release blank to you that you may bless blank In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't want you praying that prayer out loud right now, especially if the person uh, who's sitting next to you is the one whose name would be in that plank. But I do want you to understand that any time in my own life when I've prayed that prayer and prayed it sincerely, there has been a release, not just a release of the person that I've forgiven. Not just a blessing of that person, but of me too. I've said many times over the years that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. But you know what forgiveness is like? Forgiveness is drinking from the well of living water that Jesus provides. That's why today's next step is, I will forgive even before I'm asked this week. I will forgive even before I'm asked this week. Forgiveness is the hardest action we can take when we've been hurt. And the deeper we've been hurt, the harder it is to forgive. But when we realize the depth of the forgiveness that we've already received through the blood of Jesus, the blood shed on the cross, then we can access that forgiveness in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we do forgive. In that moment, not only do we set the person who has hurt us free, but we are set free ourselves. Amen? Amen. So if we want to forgive others As we've been forgiven, we need to be forgiven. And and that starts by trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord in our lives. He is the one who died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And here at New Life, we say so often that to follow Jesus, to trust Jesus, to have Jesus be Lord and Savior in our life is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's simple as A, B, C. A is admit. We admit that we're sinners. We admit that we have fallen short in our lives that we've hurt other people we've done things to other people that we shouldn't have done and to God so we admit and then B we believe we believe in Jesus not not just believe that Jesus lived a long time ago that he told really powerful stories and parables and offered the Lord's prayer but Jesus lived because he came from heaven to earth to die after living a perfect life which no one else had ever done because he is the son of God. He's our Lord, which means master. He's our savior, which means he rescued us from sin and death. And when we believe that Jesus is savior and Lord in our lives and trust him as savior and Lord in our lives, Jesus called it being born again. We start a whole new life. And then finally, C is we confess to God those sins of our life. We, we confess, and we've already admitted to ourselves, but now we say to God, God, I'm a sinner. I, I turn away from that, which is called repentance. And now I, I rely on you for the power to live a new life. And confess also means we confess to those around us, our family members, our friends, those we work with, those with whom we go to school, that Jesus is Lord and Savior in our lives. And as we do that, we begin this new life that will continue literally forever throughout the rest of this earthly life and then when we die because we will be with Jesus, with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit forever. If you've never done that, we're gonna pray right now and I'm gonna ask you to pray with me and ask Jesus to forgive you and to give you this new life. So pray with me. and I'm gonna pray as if I'm you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your forgiveness. I admit that I'm a sinner, that I need your forgiveness, that I'm broken, that I have hurt and offended you and others throughout my life. God, right now, I believe that Jesus is Lord. He, he gets to tell me what to do because he's my owner, my master, and, and he's my savior. I, I claim the, the cross, his blood shed on the cross um, as the means of my forgiveness and my salvation. And God, I confess to you these sins. There there are so many. And and I turn away from them. I, I turn back to you. God, I ask you right now to give me the power of your Holy Spirit so I can live today and every day for you. So I can tell my friends and family and everyone who will listen that I'm a new person because of you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And God, all of us who are watching right now who have already trusted Jesus, your son, as our Lord and Savior. We thank you for your forgiveness. And we pray for a new outpouring of your Holy Spirit right now that we can live our lives boldly and confidently, humbly and compassionately for you, and that we can forgive others as you have already forgiven us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, remember, as you go out into the world this week, Jesus is with you so we can go out into the world in peace. We can love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Render to no one evil for evil, but always turn back evil with good. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all today and until we see Jesus face to face. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. God bless.